This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel. Chapter 37, and I begin reading from verse 1. The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and indeed they were very, very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? So I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God to these bones, Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered them over, but there was no breath in them. Also he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel, and they indeed say, our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves, and cause you to come up from your graves, and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, when I have opened up your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. And I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and have performed it, says the Lord. Let me first of all give you the background and the context to this uh, wonderful chapter in Ezekiel, one of the most well-known and famous chapters of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was born uh, during the reign of King Josiah, and he was born to an Aristotelic uh, priest. And so he himself uh, would grow up uh, knowing and understanding all about the priesthood and became a priest. But Josiah is an interesting background to Josiah's reign. Uh, Josiah was like Hezekiah. He was the good son of a bad father, and he was the good father of a bad son. Uh, it ended up that Josiah was, as far as uh, religious reformation was concerned, the greatest king 
that uh, the nation ever had, particularly since the days of David, who was the greatest king. And his grandfather, uh, Manasseh, was the most evil, wicked king, uh, the worst that they ever had. And his son, Ammon, was not much better. And uh, uh, Manasseh died when uh, little Josiah was only six years old. And his father, Ammon, was uh, assassinated whenever he was only eight years old. And those who assassinated him themselves were killed, and the nation uh, anointed little Josiah, eight years old, to be king over the nation. And by the time he was 16, he began to seek the Lord with all of his heart. And as he sought the Lord, and the Lord began to deal with him, and he saw the state the nation was in, as a result of his father and grandfather, it was just absolutely in a terrible, terrible spiritual state. Uh, there was idolatry everywhere, groves and statues, and uh, the temple was in terrible disarray, it was in ruin, and uh, they had temple prostitutes, both men and women, they were offering their sons onto Molech, burning them alive. That's how awful and how bad the nation had come to. And so this, when this young man at 16-year-old saw that, he decided that he was going to do something. And by 18, uh, he had got the order to, he made the order to clean up the temple. And they found underneath all the rubbish in the temple, the book of the law. And it was sent to him and he privately began to read that and then publicly proclaimed that it should be read throughout. And that started a great reformation that blossomed into revival through the whole land. And he pulled down the idols and the groves and cleaned up the temple and got a proper priesthood, raised up again. And uh, that continued for 12 years. And during this time is when Ezekiel was born. He could not have been born at a better time when the nation was being reformed and in revival. But after 12 years, uh, Josiah made a terrible mistake. The king of Egypt and his armies wanted to come through his land to fight the Babylonians, who would later actually take captive uh, the people of God. But he wouldn't allow it. He would not allow it. And in fact, he rose up to fight the Egyptians, and he died in battle. And sadly, after he died in battle, that the nation began a downward slide. They basically backslid as a nation and started to go back to the old ways uh, and do the old things uh, that his father and grandfather had done. And so God sent prophets to warn them. Jeremiah, chief, is among them. And uh, Jeremiah warned him again and again and again, told him clearly that the Babylonians were going to come and you'd be better surrendering to them because if you don't, it's going to be worse for you. And they laughed him to scorn and they wanted to kill him and they put him in a pit and all the rest of it. But they did come and that nation was swept into captivity in Babylon and they took the cream of the young men and the young woman and particularly the aristocracy and the princes. And they took them into captivity. Ezekiel was the first prophet 
uh, to be taken into captivity to a foreign land. And then Daniel followed. And it transpired that Daniel and Ezekiel and Jeremiah were all contemporary prophets. Jeremiah stayed with the remnant that was left in Israel, prophesied to them. But Ezekiel was, if you read earlier, which we didn't, he was by the river Kibar, and he was ministering unto the captives, the river Kibar. But Daniel, he was ministering in the palace to the captors. And so, as a captive, but as a prophet, God, even though he had been a priest, but now as a prophet, God was giving him some amazing uh, revelations and visions, some of them quite bizarre, wheels within wheels with eyes all around. And I mean, it's just strange, strange, but all was meaningful and meant something. And this particular chapter, this vision, God took him to this valley of dry bones. And this became one of the most encouraging visions that he ever gave to the captives. And even to this day, the Jewish people remember this because it speaks, and it's even coming to pass even in our day, even as we speak tonight. And so that's it by way of background. And so God took him, showed him this valley, showed him these dry bones that were scattered everywhere and then told him that this was symbolic of the people of God who had been taken into captivity, who were buried, as it were, in the graveyards of the nations. But the good news was that God was going to bring them to life again. He was going to bring them out of the graveyards of the nations and bring them to their own land and he was going to breathe upon them and bring life to them. And so it's a wonderful, wonderful, encouraging vision that he had for God's people. But what does it say to us tonight? Let me ask you this question. Are there any bones in your life today? Bones are the remains of something that once was alive. But now they're dry and they've been laying a long time. Are there any bones in your life today? Something that once was alive in your life, but now it's just turned to dry bones. It's been dormant. It's been seemingly dead in your life. A hope maybe you once cherished, a dream, perhaps you envisioned at one time a calling Maybe you recognized a, a marriage that was once a blessing, a business perhaps you successfully ran, a, the health you once had. Could be anything. But now you feel like Israel did in chapter 37, verse 11. Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we ourselves are cut off. Our bones are dry. It's been a long, long time. The woman with the issue of blood had it for 12 years. The woman with the spirit of infirmity, 18 years. 
The man at the pool of Bethesda had lain for 38 years, a long, long time. Lazarus was in the tomb for four days. By this time he stinketh. Decomposition has set in. It's too late. It's too long. The bones are dry. Looking at all that in the natural, there didn't seem to be much hope. Certainly for those in captivity, as far as they were concerned, there was no hope. It was too long. It had gone too far. Too much water under the bridge. Our bones are dry. And the trouble is, if something goes on too long without any change for the better, and maybe like the little woman with the issue of blood, but rather it grew worse. The trouble with that is that you can lose hope. And that's what happened to them. Our hope is lost. It's terrible when you lose hope. You can lose almost anything. In fact, you could lose everything. But if you haven't lost your hope, you can come through. But if you lose your hope, if you lose your hope, hope deferred, Proverbs 13, 12, makes the heart sick. If your hope has been deferred, and it doesn't look as if you'll ever get this or attain this or do this or have this or get this back. And so you can almost lose anything or everything, but when you lose hope, it's fatal. Why? Hebrews 11.1 1 tells us faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. Faith is wonderful, but it needs hope. It needs hope as a foundation to build something on. It is like the blueprint. Hope is like the blueprint. It's like the architect's drawing. It's only a blueprint. It's only a drawing. But without that, you can't build. Faith is what puts the bricks and mortar to that blueprint to make it a reality. Hope is like the old negative film that we used to use before the digital era. It took the dark room and it took the developing skill to bring that photograph into reality, that it could be seen. That's faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It says about Abraham, who against hope, believed in hope. When all his natural hope, when everything he could have hoped for, when it seemed like it was beyond, it couldn't happen, it was too late, it was too long, it was too much. When all natural hope was gone, the Bible says he believed in hope, a supernatural hope, not hope soism. I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow. Not hope soism. 
but a hope that's birthed in the very heart by God. That's what faith builds on. Not just a wish, but a true hope that's given by God. And that gave Abraham the strength to continue to believe in faith that that son of, son of promise would actually come true. And even though it was a long time, 25 years, he held on to that. But that hope and faith sustained him. Our bonds are dry, our hope is lost. We are cut off from our parts, the authorized version says. We are cut off from our parts. The valley that Ezekiel saw was not rows and rows and rows of neat skeletons side by side. They were scattered. There was no recognizable shape or form. They were everywhere. You would have had a hard job putting them together in a right way because they were so scattered everywhere. And that's why they said, we're cut off from our parts. We're cut off from our nation. We're cut off from our life that we knew. We're cut off from our hopes and our dreams and everything we believed. And we're cut off from that. No recognizable shape. Sometimes it's hard for us to see how it could possibly happen, how anything could recover from this mess. How can this be put back together again? But in the context of this chapter, it actually happened. And it's happening right now. Consider that just three years after the Holocaust, Israel as we know it became a nation again. When it seemed impossible, when they were cut off in their parts, when they were weak and vulnerable and small and hopeless and helpless, and yet God miraculously started calling them from the four corners of the earth. And every year there are tens of thousands even today, that are coming back into Israel. They feel that tug in their heart. Part of it is, of course, is because that's where they feel safe, because they don't feel safe anymore in any other nation. Anti-Semitism is on the rise in a big way, particularly in Europe. And so if you were a Jew and you're living in Paris or you're living in France or Hungary or some of these other nations, even Sweden, even in southern Ireland tonight, if you were a Jew, you'd feel some pressure because it seems like everyone's against you. So who's going to protect them? Who's going to look after them? So they go back because they say, well, at least we've got an army there. At least we've got a government who cares for us. At least we've got an army to protect us. And so they're going back by the hundreds of thousands. How the Israeli economy stands up to it, I do not know. And they're coming from the north and the south and the east and the west. 2,600 years after God spoke to Ezekiel. And now they're coming back. It's a miracle.
Aliyah, them coming back, is an important thing for so many. And thank God the Christians are the ones who's helping them to make Aliyah the most. There's lots of Christian organizations who raise lots of money for no other reason than to bring those back who want to come back to Israel. With God, all things are possible. And what may seem impossible to us is possible with God. How can this happen? How could this be? How can this be turned around? How can this work? How can this mess, this unrecognizable shape and form, how can God make something of this? With God, all things are possible to him that believes. Never underestimate the power of God to give life to your dry bones. Son of man, can these bones live? How would you answer that? Ezekiel was very diplomatic, wasn't he? Lord, thou knowest. <laughs> that was a good answer, wasn't it? There's no way he could see it happening in the natural. But he knew that God would know. Lord, thou knowest. Never underestimate the power of God to give life to your dry bones. It's amazing what God can do with the dry bones of something that was once dedicated to him. In 2 Kings chapter 13, let me just read this. Verse 14, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he would die. And then all the way down to verse 20. Then Elisha died, and they buried him. And the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. So it was, as they were burying a man, that suddenly they spied a band of raiders. And they put the man, this is the dead body, they put the man in the tomb of Elisha. And when the man was let down and touched the bones of Elisha, he revived and stood on his feet. <laughs> what a mighty, unusual miracle of God. Did Elisha's dry bones, that God could give life to them, and that they could give life in turn. What an amazing thing happened. Somebody, I don't know who it was, I've never counted it personally, but somebody said whenever Elisha got the double portion that he performed twice as many miracles as Elijah. And they said this was the last one that made it twice as many. Be that as it may, and I'm not 100% sure, but what I do know, this was a wonderful, wonderful thing. That the very bones of Elisha, that God could energize them, even though they were in that tomb, in that grave, and even though they were dead as dead could be, yet God energized them and gave life to them. 
so that they could give life to another dead one. Maybe you've buried your dry bones. Maybe you've hid them. But God's not finished with you yet. And God has not completed all he's got to do for you yet. He still wants to use your dry bones. That which has been hidden, that which has been dry, that which has lain a long time, God can still give life to that. And you in turn can give life to somebody else. Refuse to allow your bones to remain in Egypt. In Genesis chapter 50, right at the very end of the chapter, verse 22, the last chapter of Genesis. So Joseph dwelt in Egypt, he and his father's household. And Joseph lived 110 years. And Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. The children of Machir, the son of Manasseh, that's a different Manasseh, were also brought up on Joseph's knees. And Joseph said to his brethren, I am dying, but God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land to the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Then Joseph took an oath from the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. So Joseph died, being 110 years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here. In Hebrews chapter 11, let me just read this one verse. I believe it's verse 22. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith, Joseph gave instructions concerning his bones. He spoke by faith, trusting and believing that God would bring the children of Israel out of Egypt and that they would carry his bones to that place of promise. By faith, believe your bones are coming out of Egypt. It was 144 years before that came true. But because he spoke it by faith, he didn't have a doubt that it would happen. And it happened just as he said. Believe in your dream, believe in your hope, believe in your call, believe in your marriage, believe in your health, believe in your finances, believe in your very soul, and believe it's coming out of Egypt. 
Even though the bones may be dry and they've been there a long time, they're going to come out of Egypt. There is a promised land for your dry bones. Amen. There is a promised land for your dry bones. Speak the word of God to your dry bones. Speak words of life, not words of death, to your dry bones. Wasn't that what God got the prophet to do? Verse 4, he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God to these bones, surely I will cause breath to enter into you and you shall live and I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath into you and you shall live, then you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and I prophesied and there was a noise and suddenly a rattling and the bones came together, bone to his bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Let me just interject there and say that God is bringing the people of Israel back to their nation physically, but spiritually there's no breath in them yet. They're coming back in unbelief. But one day, all Israel will be saved. Amen. One day, his spirit will move in that nation. And he'll move through that nation. And the life of God will come again. Hallelujah. So he said to prophesy, speak words of life. What does God say about your dry bones? What do you say about them? Is what you're saying about them the same as what God says about them? Because if it isn't, it should be. We need to align ourselves up with what God says about the dry bones. And when we do that and declare his word and get into agreement with God, then things begin to change. But there's more. It says depend. We have to depend upon the spirit of God. Because after he had spoken to the dry bones, in verse 9 it says, Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath. Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. Often breath and wind speaks of the Holy Spirit. So if we can speak the word of God and it's energized by the Holy Spirit, then it can change things. And so I prophesied as he commanded, and breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. Not by might, Zechariah says, not by power, but by my spirit, Hallelujah. says the Lord. And so if we speak Speak and declare the word of God over our dry bones and ask the Spirit of God to breathe upon them. They can come to life again. And God can bless and use that which was dry and had lain a long time. 
that you may have thought never could be recovered, never could be used again, never would be of any use. But it's amazing how God can turn that around for his glory and for your good. Let's pray. Lord, with your word and with your spirit, nothing is impossible. Lord, help us to speak words of life, not words of death, because death and life is in the power of our tongues. Help us to believe that the Spirit of God will breathe life into this thing. We thank you, Lord, that we see in the natural how you have done this, even to a whole nation. So, Lord, what can you not do for us as individuals? Lord, if you can move a whole nation, Lord, you can move upon an individual. And so I pray for all of my friends here tonight. That by your word and by your spirit, that you'll cause life, new life, fresh life to come again. And that which, Lord, has been dormant will rise again to the glory of God. So we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.